Extraordinary Asian Women is a podcast featuring Asian women and the journey to their extraordinary lives. My name is Claudia Chen, and in this journey together, I'll help you build the curiosity to know yourself, the compassion to love yourself, and the courage to be yourself in order to bring out the unicorn in you. As a life coach, wife, and mom, I will share with you my stories along with other Asian women to inspire and encourage you to live the life you've always dreamed of. I'm excited about this. Let's go. Hello, lovely people. Welcome to the Extraordinary Asian Women Podcast. Today, my guest is a powerhouse in the publishing world. Also, she and I are in the same book, which we've written, which is called Asian Women Trailblazers Who Boss Up. I'd like to introduce you to the founder of Quill Hawk Publishing and award-winning author of the Snow Trilogy, Amy Lee. Hi, Amy. So wonderful Hi. to have you with us today. How are you? I'm very well, Claudia. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so excited to have you on here. Amy and I are going to talk about finding your voice today. But before that, she has a very interesting backstory. Could you tell our listeners a condensed version of who you are, Amy? Sure. Well, I was born, uh, gosh, um, just nine months before the fall of Saigon with a congenital heart defect. And my family actually escaped in 1979, ultimately made it to America. And I've just been hustling ever since. <laughs> <laughs> That is so amazing. So when you actually came to America or went to America, like how was the process like for you? Do you remember like any special highlights? Yeah, you know, I was five years old. And so I do remember bits and pieces of it. But I think mostly what stood out for me was the was being out in the ocean uh, itself and just seeing nothing, you know, and but there was the beauty, of course, of the sunsets and, and the ocean itself, but you felt so alone and so scared and um, just not sure, you know, what's going to happen next. And thankfully, you know, I was with my mom and my cousin and uh, a boat full of 40 other refugees. And so we weren't alone. Mm -hmm. How long do you know, like how long did the journey itself, did it take? We were out in the ocean, uh, South China Sea for five days. And uh, before we finally made it to a refugee camp in Galang, uh, in, in Indonesia. And then we were there for almost uh, a year before we were finally sponsored over to the United States. And Seattle was home uh, starting in 1980. Mm -hmm. And you have been in Seattle ever since, or did you move around? Mostly in Seattle until I was in uh, eighth grade. Then we moved down to Orange County, California for a while. But ultimately, I made my, my way back to the Seattle area and finished my senior year of high school there. And it wasn't until four years ago that I actually moved to Oklahoma, which is where I am now. And uh, <laughs> interestingly enough, it was really just to make sure that, you know, my husband was happy in his career, but also because I wanted to focus on writing and uh, Oklahoma was the place to live on one income. Oh, I see. Okay. So how did you, since you were talking about your writing, how did you get into writing your own books and creating your own publishing company? Well, it really was the catalyst um, behind, let me rephrase that. The catalyst behind that was when my mom had passed away in February of 2017. Uh, we found out she had, you know, four stage lung cancer. And so when she finally passed, that just shook my world. And I took two uh, years off from corporate life to mourn and to learn about my history and, and to write her story as a way to honor her. And I just never looked back. I kept on writing and decided not to go back to, to corporate America. 
Mm. And um, so you start. So did you actually start your um write publishing company as you were starting to write, or did that come after? That came after. Uh, so when I finished my first book, Snow in Vietnam. I was lucky I had a traditional publisher offer me a contract and uh, however I turned it down and I decided that I was going to indie publish myself and the reason why I did that was because I thought it was just gonna be a one and done kind of thing I achieved what I wanted to do which was get my mom's story out there and that was it um, but I ended up writing books two and three because my readers really wanted to continue Snow's journey Snow is my mom and when Quillhawk Publishing came along, I decided, you know, I was going to maybe open it up to help other authors indie publish and go through that journey as well. This year is the first year I did that. And it's been a very enjoyable process. And I think that for 2023, I really want to grow the business and open it up to, to more authors. I'm so excited to hear about that. And it leads nicely to about finding your voice, right? Because as you're writing about your story, about your mom, you have to kind of find your voice and getting to know about the story behind it. So first of all, like what was the biggest obstacle you overcame in order to find your own voice? You know, I think the biggest obstacle was to be comfortable, comfortable in my own skin. Um, and find that seat at the table and feel worthy of that seat, right? Um, as a 1.5 generation Vietnamese American, I, you know, I grew up with CHD as well, a congenital heart defect. So I was always quiet, always, you know, small, never really grew. <laughs> and being able to stand shoulder to shoulder with people wasn't something that I could physically do. And so I always felt eclipsed. Um, not only in, in size, right, but also in just how valid was I. Um, Microsoft actually changed that. And I think I thank the corporate world for that because at Microsoft, the culture there is, you know, you, you have to, you're either constantly drinking from the fire hose, as they say, or you're um, going to fight back and spit it back and and choose to swim, you know, and I chose to swim. And that's, for me, that's how I was able to find that being comfortable in my own skin situation. Mm, could you tell us a little bit about how you did that? Like, as in a lot of people are just going with the flow, don't want to stir the, you know, to stir up the pot. <laughs> and yes. what was the, like, one thing that really stood out in your mind that you did that, able to overcome that? Well, I think, finding a professional coach was the biggest thing for me, you know, for, it took me two to two to three years to actually get, to get that. And what happened was, you know, I was watching all the executives and the management uh, going up the corporate ladder, getting their promotions and getting, you know, these accolades, right. And at Microsoft, I was the senior executive assistant for one of the officers of the company. And I realized that, you know, if I'm supporting this person, I need to be able to scale up as well. And so I just asked, I said, hey, can I get also some of that budget money and invest in myself for a professional coach? And um, she did. All I had to do was ask. She gave me that money. I got the career coach that I needed. And I actually chose the same one that she had because there were parallels in terms of what he was, you know, coaching her with, which also helped me to go alongside her journey and, and support her. And in the end, you know, I got what I wanted. I got my promotion. I got um, 
everything that I needed. And that was the start of it. Yeah, it's um, asking for help is so important because I think in the Asian culture, we have a same mind in terms of asking people for help. We feel like if we ask for help, then we there's a weakness within, weakness within us that we don't want to admit. And we don't want the people, oh, we don't want other people to see us weak. Yes. So, and, but the coaching is just other people letting us know what, like pointing out the blind spots, pointing out where else can we improve. And that is so important. And it's so awesome that you actually got a coach. So what do you think is important for people to know about? Like if they want to find a voice, is there anything that they need to do in addition to getting a coach or anything like that? Is there anything that they should do for themselves? Well, I think finding that work-life balance is super important. Um, Nurturing your mental health is super important. And, you know, at Microsoft, for example, work-life balance wasn't, you know, eight hours of work and eight hours of play kind of thing. There's going to be rides and times when you realize that you're going to be working 24-hour stretches, but that's okay. Because at the end of that tunnel, there's also maybe a 24-hour stretch of relaxation and vacation. Um, The other thing I want to say is, you know, we all can survive the word no. And I think surviving that word also means that, um, you know, we can build our own opinions. We can step outside of our comfort zone. It forces us to look at other solutions, other ways of, you know, addressing an issue. And so, you know, at these days, like, I'm like, bring it on, (laughs) give me those no's, because it just makes me a little bit um, creative, I guess, in terms of how I want to look at this. And it helps me to teach my son as well, because, you know, we, we as leaders need to bring up the next generation. Mm-hmm. And it's so important in terms of it. the fear of facing the no, <laughs> or the emotional um, shock or the disappointment within ourselves to when we receive that no. So how do you um, deal with taking that no when someone say no to you? I'm the kind of person who will walk away and think about things. I don't like conflict. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I hear the no, of course, I'll immediately like tense up. (laughs) But I know myself now well enough that I know the best way to handle it is just to walk away, think about it, and come back with a really sound way of um, analyzing it and talking it out and being strategic about it at the end of the day, right? Because, and we are at the end of the day is also just humans. We have our opinions and we have our emotional roller coasters. And sometimes yes is scarier than no. And it's that's okay. <laughs> sometimes be afraid of what you ask for, you know, that comes true. <laughs> because for example, success, you know, you gotta be prepared when success comes along. How are you gonna face it and what are you gonna do? Yeah. And sometimes we're as much as we're afraid of the no, as you said, like we're like, oh, okay, a part, part of it is kind of like relieved that we didn't get that um, position or we didn't have this opportunity. But when it's like a yes, it's like, oh my gosh, and now I actually have to do this thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I was just talking to Annie because I was interviewing her about it. And we were just talking about how we have such a hard time with receiving, right? Um, saying that we're actually good at this thing. Uh, um, um, receiving the accolades. So what would you like to say to people who are actually having difficulty with receiving? 
I think part of it is just taking a breath to understand who is talking to you, you know, who, who's saying these things, um, but also to just understand your history. Because when you understand your history and you understand where you came from, it can help you to appreciate how far you've come. Mm-hmm. And it's so important for us to actually realize how far we've come. Because I think for Asian people, we are so used to hearing all the criticism, what else we didn't do, what else we could do better. But at the same time, we have actually accomplished so much that like we have moved from point A to point B already. And we should actually look at all those things to say, hey, pat yourself on the back and yeah. say, hey, you're, you've come this far. You may not be over there yet, but you're right here right now. So since our, since our show is coming to an end, do you have any final thoughts for our listeners, Amy? You know, stepping into your power and finding your voice means allowing yourself to go through all these ranges of emotions, because at the end of the day, we are human. So it's okay to have self-doubt and have that imposter syndrome. It's okay to be, to feel guilty, you know, that maybe you're not spending enough time with somebody or your children or what, what have you. It's okay to be angry or sad or whatever it is. Just realize that at the end of the day, we are human and it's, we, we need to give ourselves permission to be that. That is so beautiful. And, and that's what I usually do with people too. It's the human side of things that we are so afraid to deal with. It's like when we get angry, we don't want to show that because it has been instilled in us that it's not okay. But being angry or being sad or disappointed or guilty, those are all human emotions. And it is true. Once we can deal with all those emotions, then we can also deal with the celebration part, having that compassion. Thank you so much for this time with us, Amy. Um, if people want to look more into your books or want to publish their own books, <laughs> where can they find you? Well, they can actually find me on Facebook and it's at author Amy M. Lee or on Instagram, which is at Amy underscore M underscore Lee and Lee is with one E. All right. Thank you so much, Amy. You have a great night. Thank you so much, Claudia. Appreciate it. <laughs>